This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Paranormal Pets. I am your host, Brandy Stark, and we are going to finish up on the Kitsune in this episode. There's a few more little odds and ends, and then we're going to take a look at a few other yokai. If we get time, there are a few more land yokai, and uh, I would eventually like to talk about some water yokai, so we will continue to move in that direction. And we will get started right after these messages. Tired of wasting money on giant bags, boxes, and jugs of litter that don't last? Switch to World's Best Cat Litter, the only litter that lets you use less and get more. World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to deliver outstanding odor control and easy cleanup. It's lightweight, 99% dust-free, and pet, people, and planet-friendly. It's even flushable. Make the switch to World's Best Cat Litter and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. It is now uh, about 5.30 in the morning. I started working on some of these episodes. I've been doing these late at night. Hopefully I'll catch a little nap before it's time to get up again. And this is my winter break. Uh, it is definitely a staycation type of year. Uh, unfortunately, over Thanksgiving, my electric panel began to arc, which is not good. I kept losing power if I turned on certain things, and then it got worse and worse. And it turns out that uh, despite the fact that this past house inspection five and a half years ago, almost six now, and I did have it actually inspected by an electrician, the panel is 40 years old and was so full of hodgepodge parts and overloaded that I had to have a new panel put in. That is never inexpensive, it turns out. And so most of the rest of my break, I am I am utilizing things that I've gotten over the years. So I have a gift certificate to the Vinoy, which hopefully I will get a nice little pedicure, some one tickets to uh, the Museum of Fine Arts. I am going to participate in uh, an IPA project, which is kind of a performance art project at the Ringling. And so uh, I got some free tickets to go and check that out. I think it's a go, so I will let you know. And I'm kind of looking forward to it. I'm probably going to station myself by the Hidden Cemetery on that property, hopefully. And uh, the cool thing is that what they do is they send people out and it's a one-on-one or one-on-two experience. You, You have to buy tickets, you actually go through and you have artists that work it's like five minutes each and you get to learn a little bit of something about the arts or a poem or you do a project but it's really quick so uh, my proposal yeah i guess i would call it my proposal my proposal is essentially having people go by the hidden cemetery i can tell them a little bit about the hauntings of the ringling and as i talk with them i'm going to have them mimic me with a piece of wire and making a wire star because that's very, very quick and easy. You just have to watch the bends in the metal and then essentially hanging these stars from a tree so that by the end of the event, there's like this ocean of stars, I hope, kind of twirling in the wind. We'll see if that works. But uh, 
Anyway, and I do have passes now to the Dolly Museum because of my art exhibit there. Uh, I showed with the 12 Days of Dolly. I was uh, juried in to do that. And um, I had a sponsor, uh, Lynette, and I thank her because I have year-long passes for me and a guest, which is really cool. So I took mom, of course. And because of the rats, the rats got me a free ticket to the movies. I'm super excited. My ratties love cereal, and that's what they get for treats and for little snacks. Unfortunately, my mother loves to feed the rats. And then she tells me that they're too fat. And I'm like, lady, I have had to switch cereals because I have to watch their sugar intake. You can't give them that much cereal. Rats will eat. They love sugar. Love it. And so uh, I've been getting them Cheerios because for the most part, Cheerios tend to be a little bit healthier. And they go through, you know, my mother gives the, the rats Cheerios and then she gives the pets Cheerios and she actually eats some of the Cheerios herself. And I'm like, okay. So everybody gets Cheerios. So I go through cereal quite quite often. And there was a buy one, get one at the store. And I had a coupon for buy two and you get a dollar off. So I'm like, hey, buy one, get one and a dollar off. And then I had a second coupon for buy three and you get like a dollar fifty off. And it works with the BOGOs. So if I bought two, I got two free, which meant I had bought the three plus an extra box all on sale. So I have like this cupboard full of cereal now, which will probably last a month with my luck. But on the back of one of the boxes was uh, General Mills was giving out tickets for Star Wars. And so uh, you had to buy so much cereal at one time. Certain things had to qualify and you had to send in a copy of your seed, and I did all that, and I got my free ticket. So I get to go see Star Wars, apparently without paying the evil mouse that now owns that franchise. I have mixed feelings as a, a lifelong nerd and geek, second generation, quite frankly. I think I inherited this from my father. Star Wars, to me, has gotten too mainstreamed. Disney bought it, and they've just overdone it. It's kind of getting boring. But nonetheless, my fellow nerd geek friends you know, have kind of this varying opinion on the movie so either they love it or hate it and uh, I'm thinking well for a movie like that you probably want to at least see it keep up with the conversation so yay for the rats and a free movie ticket <laughs> so my cheap staycation but the house is not going to burn down and that is important <laughs> so yay uh, unfortunately when you replace an electric panel if there's anything else that's kind of on the fritz it goes out too and so my sprinkler system went down so i had to get that fixed so yay for staycations yay for earned and or free tickets <laughs> so i'm going to be very artsy but that is all beside the point what i want to talk about is the kitsune i want to try and finish that and then we might take a look at kind of a, a few odds and ends when it comes to land yokai in preparation i like uh, an episode on the kappa and some of the water yokai and at least one on the human-faced animal yokai i don't think i'll get to those tonight but just to give you a quick Reminder, uh, yokai comes from Japanese ideology. It is Eastern. You do have a lot of indigenous culture and folklore, nature-based ideology, which, you know, makes sense. Uh, we come from the earth, we live on the earth, and we return to the earth. So the earth is kind of the supernatural element. It gives us life. We live on it, and it takes our life, essentially. So you do end up with a, a very different view of the animal world, and actually the supernatural world in general. Yokai are typically fairly difficult to explain, there is kind of a modern yokai that is a version of an urban legend, and I've even seen this, I think, on Supernatural and a few of these other stories. I think even Constantine, that one season that they did, had one of these. But one example of a yokai is the story of the woman with the surgical mask 
In Japan, if you are sick, it is not uncommon for you to wear a mask to keep the germs from infecting others. So it's not something that you commonly see, but it's not uncommon, if that makes sense. I mean, it, it's known. But this woman will sometimes approach, particularly on desolate areas, and loves to walk up to kids and say, do you think I'm pretty? And if you say yes, then she will take off the mask and she will have her mouth split essentially from ear to ear. The story I originally heard is that she had undergone plastic surgery and there was a, an error in that plastic surgery and either she cut her face herself or part of the plastic surgery was this extended mouth, very Joker-esque, if you will. And then she will say something like, am I pretty now? Uh, if you say yes, she will come after you. If you say no, she'll come after you. But apparently if you say, eh, so-so, she might not. <laughs> I was like, well, see the stuff you learn when you research this? But that is actually an urban legend. Perhaps the fear of strangers, perhaps the fear of the consuming female. This is something that you would see in Aliens, right? The biological mother that destroys you. It's kind of a very old story going back to maybe Tiamat, right? The, the mother that consumes her children. So it could be kind of a, a revitalization of that archetype. Don't talk to strangers. Don't do plastic surgery or the artificiality of our existence or a fear of the medical right? Because the mask represents containing germs and, of course, the surgery. There are variations of this legend, which include three sisters, one who died during plastic surgery, a middle sister who was killed in an accident, which apparently disfigured her face into this grimace, and a third who goes insane because her sisters die, and so she herself cuts her face and goes out and does this. Apparently, they do like hard candy, and apparently there's an aroma that they don't like, so if you say the word uh, it's like bakume, something like that. They stop. They will not chase you because they want to avoid this. So that is a, an example of a yokai, right? Uh, the supernatural spaces between time, these unexplained phenomena, urban legends, animal spirits, kind of a, an offshoot of the kami from Shinto. But to review the kitsune, this is actually coming from www.tofugu.com. In every culture, there are beliefs about animals that are so basic we don't quite realize that they are folklore. In English, we talk about the lazy pig and the wise owl, even though most of us have never met one. It just becomes part of our culture. But when you encounter animals in another culture, it's not so obvious. You don't have to be interested in Japan for very long before you stop and wonder what's up with all the foxes. Are they good? Are they bad? And why are they so important? The fox kitsune plays a role in Japanese culture that is unusually rich and complicated. Beliefs that develop when people live much closer to nature, persistent stories, festivals, and language. Even in these rational times, the fox is a magical aura that persists. Foxes have supernatural powers. There are good and bad foxes. The Anari fox is good, and the bad foxes are afraid of the Anari foxes. And this comes from Lafsido Hearn, Glimpses of the Unfamiliar Japan, 1894. And I did reference him in a prior episode. If you've ever been a tourist in Japan, you've seen statues of foxes at Shinto shrines. It's a little odd from an American perspective, where animals are not much involved in religion, except maybe those cows and camels admiring baby Jesus in nativity scenes. Surely the Japanese don't worship foxes. Not exactly, although it kind of depends on who you ask. When you see those foxes, you are at a shrine dedicated to the god Inari, who is worshipped everywhere from a tiny roadside shrine to a major tourist destination. More than a third of the recorded shrines in Japan are Inari shrines, and aside from the fox statues and obvious symbols that indicate the Inari shrine, you actually have the red Torii gates. 
Books have been written about this and his significance. The fox is associated with Anari as a symbol, a messenger, a servant, or maybe more. It is impossible to tease the two apart, although no one's quite sure how the connection arose. The earliest historical records of Inari worship before the 10th or 11th century don't mention anything about foxes. The simplest explanation seems to be that rodents eat rice and foxes eat rodents, so foxes could be seen as protectors of rice. But some of the associated beliefs have no such rational explanation. Take the fact of, that worshippers at an Inari shrine will commonly make an offering of abuga aje, those thin slices of fried tofu with sweet soy sauce flavoring. It's supposed to be the favorite food of foxes, which is good to know. That's why udon with fried tofu topping is called kitsune udon, and fried tofu pockets stuffed with sushi rice are also associated with this fox. They are naturally carnivores, so it's pretty odd, and there's no real reason where this belief comes from. The goblin fox. Only aged and wise foxes have the power to act as people for a prolonged time. Incidentally, age and wisdom do not imply benevolence. U.A. Castle, The Goblin Fox and Badger, 1959. Though Inari foxes are associated with a powerful deity, they're also believed to have less benevolent counterparts, the Yokai, which is a class of being which we've talked about. Kitsune, in this particular class, can make themselves appear to be human, usually with mischief, or worse, in mind. A fox might pose as a distressed woman traveling or a monk on a pilgrimage, and after a kindly villager is convinced to take her in, the next morning the villager finds that all of his food and valuables have been stolen. To add insult to injury, the Kitsune may have a shave this person's head bald. Much nastier, though, foxes were said to use these abilities to tempt people to go places where they were likely to get killed. The fox isn't the only animal yokai that can shapeshift, but they have special predilection for appearing as a beautiful woman in order to deceive human men. Oddly, in this case, they don't always have bad intentions. As Hearn tells it, the fox does not always appear in the guise of a woman for evil purposes. There are several stories and one really pretty play about a fox who took the shape of a beautiful woman and married a man and bore him children, all out of gratitude for some favor received, the happiness of the family being only disturbed by some odd carnivorous propensities on the part of the offspring. Looking like something else is only half of it, though. Kitsune can orchestrate full virtual reality experiences, making people think they're in houses that don't exist or experiencing an earthquake that isn't really happening. As they kept up with modern technology, foxes are said to make phantom trains run on the earliest railroads. Oh, that's cool. Disguised themselves as cars and delivered fake telegrams. Belief in this ability was so strong that Hearn tells of peasants who would assume a truly strange experience was a fox illusion rather than trusting their own eyes. There is a, a really interesting story, and this does appear also in the Book of Yokai, Mysterious Creatures of Japanese Folklore, in which there is a, essentially there's a man who hears a train coming, even though he is in a part of Japan where he knows there are no trains. And he knows that something supernatural is going on, so he gets up and he goes out and he finds the ghost train, right, the supernatural train. And he's invited to board and he decides he's going to do it. So he gets on the train and it travels all across the island. And it's kind of weird because when he gets out of bed, you know, he basically tells his wife, I'm going to go pee. He has to go to the bathroom, right? You got to watch what you're doing in the middle of the night, you know, because apparently you can hear these ghost trains. And if you get on, uh, like this man, he has this marvelous adventure. He travels across the island. He gets off in this beautiful area. He makes himself kind of a settlement and he settles in for the rest of the night. The next morning when his wife wakes up and finds he's gone, she gets some of the neighbors and they go out and find him. And he hasn't traveled that far. He's, you know, just kind of up the street in this, you know, kind of bad land, essentially this terrible landscape. 
and yet he felt like he had traveled all night. You know, that's kind of this magic that the foxes do. Here, Hearn records another story on tofugo.com. The most interesting and valuable witness to the stupendous eruption of the Bandai Sai in 1888, which blew the huge volcano to pieces and devastated the area 27 square miles, leveling forests, turning rivers and from their courses, and burying numbers of villages and with all of their inhabitants, was an old peasant who had watched the whole cataclysm from a neighboring peak as unconcernedly as if he had been looking at a dream. He saw a black column of ashes and steam rise to the height of 20,000 feet and spread out at its summit in the shape of an umbrella, blotting out the sun. Then he felt a strange rain pouring upon him, hotter than the water of a bath. Then all became black, and he felt the mountain beneath him shaking to its roots. He heard the crash of thunders. It seemed like the sound of a breaking world, but he remained quite still until everything was over. He had made up his mind not to be afraid, deeming that all he saw and heard was the delusion wrought by witchcraft of a fox. So the fox also becomes a way to explain terrible phenomena. Putting these two abilities for illusions together, the fox may pose as a beautiful woman, lure a man to a remote luxurious home for a night of passion, but when he wakes up the next morning he's alone, lying in a graveyard with the leftovers of his sumptuous meal revealed to be a pile of rotting leaves and worse. Uh, yes, the kitsune do trick you into eating nastiness. Being deceived by a fox is bad enough, but being possessed by one sounds more unpleasant. Uh, I think we talked about that. The effects of possession could be pain, madness, hysteria, running naked through the streets, collapsing and frothing at the mouth. But in other cases, the result was simply behavior that was inappropriate or odd, using bad language, throwing money around like a millionaire, barking or yipping, behaving violently or spitting. One scholar describes a particular sort of fox that would cause the possessed person to barge into houses and annoy sick people, blurt out secrets, and mess up silkworm colonies. This does remind me a little bit of perhaps the Jewish concept of what allows one to be possessed by a wandering spirit, and that's usually doing something that goes against the law, right? taking the Lord's name in vain, opens you up with this little piece of sin. You become possessed by this wandering spirit who then exacerbates pre-existing conditions and you really begin to blasphemy, right? Your behavior changes and you curse all the time. So it's fairly similar. Another explanation for sudden changes in behavior. Fire and water. The marriage of foxes to each other rather than unsuspecting humans are said to account for two odd natural phenomena. One is the Kitsune Bai, that is the will of the wisp in English, mysterious flickering lights seen at night in a natural area like forests and especially wet places like bogs and marshes. Sometimes a large outbreak of this phenomenon would look like a procession of flickering lanterns. These reminded people of traditional wedding ceremonies where the bride was escorted to her new home by an entourage carrying lamps. And so this was said to be the wedding celebration of the foxes. There's never been any accepted scientific explanation of the will of the wisp, and processions always disappeared when people tried to get near and find out for sure. And that's actually kind of interesting because we do find similar ideas in Irish culture. The ghost candle, for example, pirates bury a treasure and their spirit forever guards this treasure. Uh, if you find this mysterious floating ball of light, uh, you are to follow it to the treasure. Or if it is really this pirate spirit, it will try to trick you so that you die <laughs> rather than finding its treasure. So you really got to watch that. Anyway, what we're going to do at this point is we are going to pause and when we get back, we will talk about how not to be fooled by kitsune. This can be very valuable. As you can see, the kitsune, very elaborate belief system. So 
How can we avoid falling for their tricks? We'll find out right after these messages. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Get the stinky dog away from me. Bad breath and bad gas. PD stopped eating. All his hair fell out. Itching, licking, missing fur. At least $5,000 in vet bill. Creams, antibiotics, sprays. No results. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite is nutrition. The shedding is stopped and the itching is stopped. Her coat is not soft, it's silky, it's healthy and shiny and glossy. She's got life, she's got energy. Tons of energy, no more bad smell. Dynavite's the bomb. <gasps> Dynavite is the best thing that's ever happened to my dogs, you know, besides me, of course. <laughs> 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E oh. dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Brandy Stark. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. As we continue and hopefully finish with the kitsune, a very long and elaborate tradition, I do at least want to also remind you that kitsune with the Firefox or the Foxfire tradition, Firefox is of course the web server, but because of the relationship with fire, particularly with weddings, they were sometimes blamed for actually starting fires. One Setsua, for example, tells of a retainer for a governor of Kai who spots a fox one evening while he is heading home. He shoots the fox in the hindquarters with an arrow and the fox manages to disappear. The man continues on his journey, but a quarter of a mile from home, he saw the fox running ahead of him, carrying a flaming brand in its mouth. He spurred his horse on and reaching his house, the fox changed into a human being and set his house on fire. That's why we don't shoot foxes. So kind of a kind of an interesting aspect. But how do you avoid all of this? How do you avoid getting tricked by a fox, having your house burned down by a fox spirit, and all of that kind of good stuff? Well, if you're ever out there and you discover a fox that emits a certain luminosity, 
Even on the darkest nights, his human shape will stand out so clearly that the color of the hair and the pattern of the kimono is plainly discernible in the distance of some six feet. Hair and pattern show up as if a fire were glowing beneath them. That way, you know, if you can see him too well, it is a kitsune. Fortunately, there are also other ways to tell if a person is a fox in disguise. The tail is the weak point. Reflections in a mirror or pool of water may show a tail, and young foxes who are less experienced at illusions may have trouble concealing their tails. Shadows may also reveal their true nature. A shadow falling on water shows the true shape of the fox. Another trouble that foxes have, which is the only thing that makes for perfect logical sense, is speaking convincingly like a human. According to Hearn, a fox cannot pronounce a whole word but parts only as Nish-sa for Nishada-san, Dego for Degazo Missouri, or Uch-de for Uchi-desuka. I may be a fox myself. I'm having trouble saying these things. Supposedly, the Moshi-Moshi is a particularly difficult tongue twister for them. So unless you want to be mistaken for a fox, make sure you never say Moshi just once. So Moshi-Moshi. The best defense against a fox is to have a dog. I hope pugs work. I don't know. I don't have dogs. I have pugs, remember? Foxes are said to be terrified of dogs because dogs aren't fooled by illusions. They will bark and let everyone know what's up, sometimes even causing the fox to lose its human form. Dogs were even used to cure for fox possession. Smear fish paste all over the victim and have a dog look it off. The fox will be so repulsed that will leave the person's body, and who could blame it? Less disgusting approaches include protecting against possession by carrying a dog's tooth or writing the kanji for dog on a child's forehead. It's not a bad idea to be nice to foxes if you can because they are grateful and they'll bring little gifts. Hearn tells of a man who saw a fox being chased by dogs and chased the dogs away with his umbrella. The following evening, he heard someone knock at his door and opening the door, he saw a very pretty girl standing there who said to him, last night I should have died, but for your August kindness, I know not how to thank you enough. This is only a pitiful little present. And she laid a small bundle at his feet and went away. He opened the bundle and found two beautiful ducks and two pieces of silver money. Those long, heavy, leaf-shaped pieces of money, each worth 10 or $12, such as now eagerly sought by collectors of antique things. After a little while, one of the coins changed before his eyes into a piece of grass. The other was always good. So if you see a pure white fox, that's a good Inari fox. You do not have to worry. So white foxes are good. Kind of interesting. However, nice to foxes is good, but you can't be too close with them because certain families who own foxes in return for being fed, the foxes would use their supernatural powers to the owner's benefit. Sounds like a good deal, but there were some problems. So They usually came in large numbers. 75 was typical. So feeding them was a huge expense. I would imagine. It's bad enough feeding all these pugs and rodents. And being foxes, they weren't particularly trustworthy servants, so they do things that got their owners in trouble, like stealing. The real problem, though, was that the reputed fox owners were often ostracized by the rest of society. Intermarriage with a fox-possessing family is out of the question, and many beautiful and accomplished girls in Izumo cannot secure a husband because of the popular belief that her family harbors foxes. It affects the value of real estate in Izumo to the amount of hundreds of thousands. The land of a family supposed to have foxes cannot be sold at a fair price. This actually happened as late as the 1950s. A couple committed double suicide when they were forbidden to marry because the girl came from a fox-owning family. So, finally, not one, but two episodes on Kitsune, and there is still more, but quite frankly, I think we should move on. (laughs) So if you really want to check some things out, 
I would Google them, watch some old anime. There's some great, great stories out there about the fox kind. Just remember, don't be too nice to them, but don't be cruel to them. Be just right. Kind of one of those three bear stories too. So at this point, I am going to say alleluia and good night. Please continue to support your animal rescues, Pug Rescue of Florida, the SPCA, Pet Pals, Friends of Strays locally. If you would like to learn more about some of the supernatural elements out there, please check out the spiritsofstpetersburg.com, www.spiritsofstpetersburg.com, or SPPIPinellas.net. Uh, both will take you to about the same site since I'm now using both names for my group and for myself. The SPPI part is most likely going to be the paranormal pets because I do this really without the spirits of St. Petersburg. This is uh, stuff that I do on my own, uh, as well as any supernatural presentations that I happen to do or presentations that are supernatural. Now that would be impressive. If you are curious, and I'm going to plug this, and I should remember to plug this every episode, but uh, I do have a book now. It is not expensive. I still found at least one typo, maybe two, which drives me crazy. So please pardon that. If you see anything else, please gently let me know. I have Spectral Musings, which can be bought for the Amazon Kindle for 99 cents, or if you are part of the Kindle exchange, I think you can get it for free for a month, like the library exchange. You can also get it in hard copy for $3.95. Google Spectral Musings plus Brandy Stark through Amazon or search for that. It should come up. This talks about the Art Center, the Suntan Art Center, its history, the art history, and the ghosts that are associated with it. This building is actually a fairly old one in this area going back to the 1920s. Uh, and it housed local legend Thomas Rowe, who is the founder, architect, if you will, and owner slash manager of the Don Cesar Hotel, which is a very historic hotel on St. Pete Beach. There were entrepreneurs that came to this area and they're all considered kind of nuts because they built these giant hotels, which still stand today. And so they kind of end up becoming heroes in retrospect. So, you know, please, if you would get the book, that would be great. It does uh, help to support uh, SPPI, Spirits of St. Petersburg. We are an LLC uh, and we do have to fund that ourselves. So this just helps to defray some costs and actually gives you some, I'm hoping, some good history of this local area. Anyway, now that I have finished this, I will go ahead and wish you happy haunting. I will catch you next episode. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your paranormal pet's ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>